Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey friends, welcome to another edition of the Tennis and Bagels podcast. This is your host, Munch. And joining me on my left here uh, is a very familiar guest who we had on last time uh, I did this, which was a ladies singles Wimbledon preview. And to have him back on to do this post-Wimbledon uh, is, is certainly nice since we get to go full circle. So David, how, how are you? First off, thank you so much for having me. Um... Besides, like, the almost three-hour loss in tennis I was telling you about that I had today, I'm doing well. Um, I I will say, I feel like the women's tournament overall was great. The final was just a bit of a dud, but it was. I felt like like the semifinals, the quarterfinals, I felt like they were really fun stuff. Yeah, uh, no, I, I I kind of echoed that as well. It, was, it just kind of ended on a, you know, a bit of a... A bit of an anticlimactic way, let's just say, and that's not taking anything away from the eventual winner, Marquette von Drusova, who coming into this grass season was two and ten uh, on grass lifetime, and of course picked up a couple of wins in Berlin, and then goes through the field here, um, and you could kind of maybe see that okay, she can make a deep run. Her game should translate well on the grass, especially after she beat Donna Vekic and Kuromatova in rounds two and rounds three. That's when you thought, okay, she's in the open section of the draw. She's in that quarter with Jessica Pagula. And, uh, you know, if Sviantek loses or something crazy happens, you could certainly have seen a path for this to occur. But just the way it kind of went down with Jabor, for example, beating four major champions in a row to get to the final. And he's really kind of solidifying herself as one of the best grass court players of this decade. Um, you, and then uh, and then you obviously had the Svetlina story, but no one was talking about Vondrusova coming in and winning this this tournament she seemed kind of like an afterthought even though she won the whole thing yeah i mean when we thought when i think at least i'm not gonna sit talk for everyone but when i think of andrusa i thought about you know french open final slow surfaces you know using that lefty forehand to just drag opponents around the court excellent fitness you know stuff that doesn't necessarily you know the long elongated wind up on the forehand Stuff that doesn't necessarily contribute or doesn't necessarily translate in, at least in my mind, to grass court success. But I saw that when, because I had, I had thought that Kudermito had a chance to win the whole thing. And so when I saw how easily she dispatched her in the second round, I was like, wait a second. Yeah, Marquetta, and I watched some of the match, and Marquetta just really, there was, it was, uh, Veronica found it so difficult to hit through Marquetta from the baseline, and I was I was just really impressed with how well that Von Drusseva absorbed pace, which was also a big uh, factor when she beat, you mentioned it too, uh, Donna Vekic. Uh, just the fact that she was just totally able to diffuse Vekic's power. Now, sure, there was a scheduling component to that loss, but Vekic, yeah. with, the, with the first week rain delay, having to play a lot of tennis in a short period of time, but take nothing away from Von Drusseva. That was another really impressive win. And so while I think that, you know, by far, you mentioned the four major champions that Jabor beat, the fact is, I don't necessarily think, I think that Jabor had the much tougher road, but I also don't think that Van Drusseva had an easy road, having to beat Kurdometova, Vekic, Buzkova, who went D, went to the quarterfinals last year, yeah. Pegula, and then... Spitalina played a bad match, but she was playing great coming into the match. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm real. I'm really impressed. Do I necessarily think that this will ever that she'll ever win another grass tournament? No. But am I impressed that she put it together for seven straight matches? 
and one in straight sets and five of the seven, including the semifinals and the finals. And not to mention, just I'm sorry for like going on for so long, but going no, back okay. to the Kula match, she was one four break point down in the third set. That's yeah. serious mental perseverance. You're you're reading my mind because that's exactly where I was gonna go next. Um you know, because for, for Pagula, for example, you know, this was her sixth quarterfinal. Yeah. Uh, at a major and yeah, I think it was her sixth. And she was uh yeah, that's right, because she lost twice to Iga, once to Barty, and then Brady. to Brady. Yeah. Yeah. Or no, yeah, in the quarters, yeah, she lost to Brady yeah. in the Australian Open. Um but but yeah, so her sixth uh, quarterfinal, and I'm think, and she also lost to Azarenka right this year. But um, you know, I'm thinking, I, I thought she definitely had it at four one, break point. She misses this backhand, it goes long. But then the tennis that Von Drusova played after that mm-hmm. was spectacular. That two four game, I I distinctly remember her like hitting this glorious slice approach, coming in, finishing an overhand behind it, like playing really strong returns. And sure, Pakula probably was was feeling a little bit of the pressure and didn't always play her best tennis, but I don't think her level actually dropped a whole lot. I think it just kind of maintained even throughout the whole time. It was Von Drusova who really, I, I think it, it helped that uh, the roof closed at 3-1. That was certainly, yeah. it, it's, Von Drusova won a lot of matches under the roof this fortnight, and I think it actually helped her serve in the slower the slower conditions. Maybe it just kind of, um, it, it, it just kind of ruined the momentum a little bit for Pagula, but I just, I just felt like Von Drusova was, the stronger, the braver, and more courageous of the two at the very end. And that Absolutely. certainly paid off. Yeah, I mean, what I noticed it was through much of the first two sets, Bundrusova's forehand in that match was horrendous. Um, she was spraying balls, Pagula was able to rush her. But by the end, she was firing an all-cylinder from the forehand wing. Um, and that's really what I also noticed in Spitalina, in the Spitalina match and the Jabor match was if you had seen the first two sets of the Von Drusova match, you would totally understand why she was so poor on grass coming into it. But she just found a way to just steady that wing. She didn't spray error. She didn't allow opponents to rush her. And that was most apparent towards the end of that Pagula match where she just caught fire. Um, and I really thought that, you know, but Pagula, I didn't think played a bad match at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, she could have been better for sure. She, I don't think grass is her best surface. But I think that against, but I thought that it was more, as you stated, Bundrusova raising her level at the end and like some sort of epic choke. Yes. Because, I mean, you look at the score, it's very easy to think it was an epic choke. But if you actually go back and watch the last five games on replay, you'll see that like Bundrusova really took it from her. And Agula, I thought, was well in it at four all. And even she could have held in that game. And she hit three winners and it still wasn't enough to win the game. So I think... Uh, yeah, this is this is just like one of those cases where I think Pagula was really upset because obviously it was an opportunity miss, but yeah, I don't think she should have that many regrets. Like it was, that's where I feel like Von Drus were really like that was the match that kind of won her this tournament. Yeah, I will say she probably when she saw uh, honest. Okay, I'm gonna be honest with you. Given what we saw, and I know this is like hypothetical. Yeah. Okay, but bear with me. Given what we saw from Smitalina in the semifinals and from in the bundle of nerves that was for in the final, Pagula, when Van Drusseva won the title, had to have been thinking that should have been me. Yeah. I, 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 I think she would have yeah. won it. I, but, you know, based on hindsight, you know, yeah, based yeah. on what we saw. If, if everything seven, else stays the same, yeah. Right. Sure. What do you think? Do you think she would have won it based on the level of yourself in Svitolina and Jabor. Yeah, I think I think so. I just think Svitolina, for example, like obviously she had those amazing wins against Azarenka and Shviontek. And, you know, she was also playing for something greater. And obviously we know she's a she's a probably a better, more aggressive version of what she's ever been. Yeah. But when she played that semi when she played that semifinal, she just looked really exhausted physically, yeah. mentally, and I just felt I, I she was not on her on on her best game and I think Pagula is the type of player that can take advantage of something like that. So I could certainly see, I could have certainly seen her being a hypothetical Wimbledon champion now that you put it this way. Absolutely. And the thing about, and you mentioned Smitalina, she played two really tough matches before that semifinal between uh, Azarenka, you know, the deep in the third set super tiebreak. And then you had, you know, the emotional energy going into that. It was also, it was physical and emotional for both matches. Of that Strand Tech match, it was really, it was uh, it was really sad to see how she how she fought so hard, and then it was just 
she was pressing a lot from the baseline. Her her forehand was horrendous, and it was just sad to see because she fought so hard. But what what a comeback! You know, she so far she's won a you know she's won a clay WTA event. She looked pretty good at the French Open. She beat yeah. you know she beat Trevi. I think that match was impressive. Absolutely, fourth round. Yeah, and so she comes here to the grass. She loses a blowout to uh, in a win. The, uh, in Birmingham or something like that. She looks the blowout loss, and she comes in with no expectations. And just like you said, rips off big win after big win, beating me you know, beating Venus. I know it doesn't seem like a big win, and it's you know, and, and in 2023 it might not be, but at the same time, it's Venus Williams at Wimbledon, right? There's a mental hurdle to get over there, and then. To beat, uh, let's see, Sophia Kennan, the Grand Slam champion, Azarenka, Sriantec. And Kennan, by the way, I don't know if we want to talk about that at all, but Kennan's win over Goff was one of the best matches of the tournament, I thought. 100%. 100% agree. Like, that was some of the best stuff I've seen from her since winning the getting to the finals of the French. And it was just the mental toughness, from honestly, from both of them. And I really don't, you know, I, I like to... You know, if you followed my stuff over the years, listeners, y'all might know that I'm not the biggest Coco Golf fan. I got to give her credit, though. I thought that she, I didn't think she played poorly at all. I think she would have beaten most of the draw. What did you think about Goff's level? Yeah, I felt as though um, I, in that, in that four strong match, I felt that Kennan played really, really smart tactically. Yeah. Um, particularly, it wasn't until late in the third set where I felt like Goff's forehand actually broke down. I actually thought um, Goff did very well, for example, to win the second set. Just mustered all of her defense and her grit. And the forehand yeah. actually was 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 holding up well enough to get her back in play. And she was actually, you know, she, she really made a match out of it when it could have gone straight sets for Kennan. And so it was one of those where where it was like, you know, you had a revitalized performance from a, from a former major champion against a top player who who had some expectations on her, but it was like, you know, it, it wasn't until... It, I thought the match was pretty high quality until the very end, where then you really saw Goff having to really press on that forehand wing, and we saw some of those same issues again. But my yeah. takeaway yeah, was that so sad. was was Kennan's level coming on. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I thought Goff's forehand until the very end, like you mentioned, was pretty... It was That wasn't great, but, like, it wasn't like we've seen it at the, like, WTA finals last season. Yeah. I thought it was fine. I just... And she defended so well. Kennan just, you know, you could see, like, in her, like, face, in her eyes, like, I'm not losing this, that Grand Slam champion mentality. You know, you could feel, like, the Muguruza match at the Australian Open a few years ago. Like, all that experience in these big matches against Harding competitors really shined in that moment. And I thought that she protected their serve pretty well, too. In yes. That, um, she has a deceptively good serve, say- actually. I was honestly a little surprised at how easily Spitalina, you know, took care of her in the uh, third round. I thought that that was, I honestly was surprised. I was surprised. You know, I mean, she saw, she surprised me in the second round. I thought Murdens would win. She surprised me. She honestly, every match after, after Venus, I thought she was going to lose until, until the semifinal when I thought she was going to win. And then she ended up losing. Yeah. Especially even the Azarenko match. I think she was down a set no break. And mm-hmm. she she go, gets it back all the way to three love in the third, and now I'm thinking, okay, this this could be her time to get her first win over Vika, and then Azarenka comes all yeah. the way back, and then we have this phenomenal third set tiebreak, one of the best matches of the tournament, no doubt. And it was this was going on simultaneously with the Benchich and Shiontek match, so the those two matches happening at the same time was was such a win, I thought, for the tournament. But um, yeah. but yeah, just the offensive repertoire that that I've seen since Svitolina, especially going so big on the forehand and so going so big on the seconds of return and that backhand down the line. Like all these shots when they're firing in combination with each other and then you just add the whole her whole will and her whole, uh, you know, just her new outlook of she doesn't have that much to lose anymore. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, only only to gain. Like her, her comeback is so impressive to where like now she's, she's headed basically back to the top 10. She's already in the top 30 in the rankings again, which is kind of insane. She was outside the top 1300. When she played her first match in Charleston against Putin Seva. Yeah, I think she played like an ITF in, in Portugal. It was in, yeah. Oh, here she is. Yeah, you know, is grand there. slam semifinal. And now she's going to her best surface, right? I think her best surface is hardcore. Um, mm-hmm. and so 
I don't know. Maybe I... She has made a Wimbledon semi in the past as well. I personally think she's most... At least maybe that she's most comfortable in our court. So it'll be really interesting to see how she does this summer, how she does at the U.S. Open. Um, and I think that, you know, no one wants to see her in the draw. And you mentioned... And you talked earlier about... It. I want to just touch on this because you talked about it. It is true that the fact that Azarenka dominated the head-to-head and to have the mental strength and willpower to pull that out from a set and a breakdown, very, very impressive. Um, yeah. Um, just, yeah, and you can you can tell. And I don't, I know that this sounds cliche. And, like, it almost feels like she is playing for something bigger than herself. Yeah, for sure. And then I, I think it's just like the combination of, like, yeah. I mean, like, she, she had Sky, like, in October of last year. And now she, she has it, like, like nine months later. I mean, the turnaround is very impressive. And then, and then, of course, everything that, you know, is happening in Ukraine, and obviously she she feels like she's she's playing every time for her country, and so the, yeah, the the willpower to like yeah just get get all the way back here so quickly. Yeah, I just I just found the whole story very compelling, and that's why I was rooting out of interest for the whole story. I was rooting for a you know Jabor versus Svetlana final. I think many people were. Yeah, I think that for me it would have. Well, I don't want to get into. I, it, politically, it would have been interesting to see Sabalenka Spitalina in the women. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, but um, you know, I another one who should be kicking her, who's definitely kicking herself, is Sabalenka. No, we talked about Pagula kicking herself, but I, you know, given Sabalenka's serve, the fact that she was a break, I think it was even like up to four three. It was at four yeah, three. Four two, I think. Yeah, and like. I personally think, given what we saw from Sabalenka all tournament and the fact that she had, I know, she, I think she was playing for number one in that match. So maybe there were some nerves there. Yeah. And, and she but definitely that, has a semifinal hurdle right now because she's lost five semifinals. She's won one. And the one that she won was against Lynette. So, and then amongst the five that she's won, I, I would say like the Pushkova one, that wasn't really in her control because that was just, you know, two breaks and the second and third. And right. so that one, and that was her first one. So I'm like, okay. But the one against Layla, I think she, that was more down to her losing it than Fernandez winning it. Yeah, do you remember that? Percent. I hundred percent. Yeah, and then of course, then then you have the following year against Fiontek. I will say Fiontek made kind of life difficult for her. She shrunk the court a little bit, and she, her defense made it tough to hit through. But still, she lost sixteen of the next twenty points right? from four two from four two up. Um, so so again, she's had leads in all of these, and then obviously the most surprising of all was against Mukova, where you know she had two two five. 30-40. I mean, the match was basically done. And it moved, she had a uh, major collapse. It was also, like, I believe she was injured, right? Mukov yeah, was like, like toward, towards the end, and she was she was really there for the taking until about 5-all when you know, she saw the opportunity, and then yeah, like, beautiful winner to convert and then served it out. But Sabalenka lost, like, most of the points after 5-2 when it was it was just, uh, yeah, it was, it was again one of those where, like, she would have played Iga, and then the winner of that becomes number one. And then same thing, same thing with this one, but it's, but I, 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 I like his, go ahead. No, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just saying, I think Sabalink is level, but would have beaten Bajusova too. Um, and so for me, it was just, it, and you know, Sabalinka, Sabalinka, um, is, I don't think of her as someone that, uh, is losing, you know, these big matches, but she, when you really think about it, like you just like laid it out for me, you're like, oh my God, that is a little, uh. That's more than I thought it would be. And yeah, I mean, even like the U.S. Open last year, I didn't think Shriantek played near her best in that whole tournament. And I thought that that match was there for the taking. And um, she botched it. She even, uh, yeah, she, and I felt like, yeah, you mentioned the French Open, you mentioned this one. They're all, you're, yeah, you said it perfectly. They all, she's had leads in all these matches. And so that's, that's the thing. That's where it comes down to at the end of the day. And it's, in, yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why she, you know, and it might be like, you know, maybe she, I don't know why she keeps doing it, Um, but it's just, it's sad to see her, like, peak level and then just see how she can just implode. Yeah, and this was one of those where, like, you know, she could have gathered herself in the third, but I think, I think Jabor, the way she dissected these power players this tournament and the way she kind yeah. of, with her compact stroke production and just how flat she hits, and just how good she is at redirecting, it almost helped her that she played a lot of these power players. She could just absorb all of their pace and kind of just go down the line pretty big. Her backhand was doing some some decent damage, and she kind of 
at the same time, Sabalenka in that 4-3 game had had three game points and she had sitters on a couple of plus one forehands that she wasn't missing all match. So if she picks those, then then she's up 5-3 and it's probably unlikely because for most of the match, her power was just so overwhelming even for Jabor with her hand skills to really do something with and neutralize. So it, it's kind yeah. of twofold. Yeah, I thought that, you know, in the past, Jabor, you know, is, I believe, at least coming into the match, was 1-4 against Kvitova. She struggled at times when she doesn't have a ton of time, but she really absorbed power really well in this match. I watched a lot of that Kvitova match, and just the way that she was, it looked so effortless and graceful with her just placing the ball, like it was on the string, and her variety out of nowhere, like where she would just throw in like it, amazing angle or drop shot out of nowhere and Kvitova would just not be able to react in time. Now, of course, you know, Sabalenka did hit herself out of the match a little bit. So did Kvitova, you know, and you, so did Rybakina to an extent. But at the same yeah. time, you got to give Jabor credit in the sense that she made the court look small to these players. She forced them to hit outside of their comfort zone. And I really, I mean, come on, you're beating... Uh, Sabalenka, Kvitova, and Rybakina in a row at Wimbledon. Yeah, I, It doesn't get much better than that. I don't think we'll see a, a better run to the final like this year or no, you, even next year. Like It's insane. I likened it. I likened the final. On, I likened it to like the Lisicki, uh Lisicki bartoli final of 2013, just in the sense that yeah. like Lisicki had beaten it totally informed at once, Scott. She had beaten Serena. She had really, yo, she had taken down, she had been, she had taken down some of the bigger name type of players before the final. And then just kind of in the final, let her nerves get the better of her and um, choked it a little bit. Um, and then Bart, with Bartoli taking the title. Um, and so that's what I, that's what I thought about when I was thinking about the match. Um, but I don't, also don't want to take anything away from Vendrusova. She still had to hold her. Nerves. She still had to play solid tennis. Um, she wasn't great, but she didn't need to be, and she yeah. knew what it took to win. And hopefully, this springs is a springboard for the rest of the season, which should be on surfaces that I think are more, you know, hard courts. I think are more favorable to her than uh, grass. We saw what she did at the Olympics uh, a couple of years ago. I think that she can. Do you see? Are you like? Because we've talked a lot about, or not we, but like. I've seen on Twitter a lot about the new big three, Triantec, Rybakina, Sabalenka. Do you see Van Drusseva as a worthy, like, do you see her now in the mix with those three, or do you need to see more? Well, I think it's kind of like those three, and then I heard someone say, like, and the Czech Republic, which I guess is kind of true as well, because you have, like, you know, Krachikova won Dubai, Kovitova with her Berlin and Miami titles, and then Wondrous for now with this, and of course, Mohova at the French. There's just so much depth right. in Czech tennis that I feel like one of those is, is right there along with Jabor as well. But I just think, I mean, this was still, I mean, still the, the, the big three, like here, I mean, of 2023, I guess, they still got to the quarters, all four of them, even mm -hmm. like all the top four seeds still got to the quarters. But I, I am still a little surprised that none of them didn't actually end up winning. I thought one of those three may yeah. actually end up winning it in the end. But I don't know. Maybe I just need to see a couple more tournaments in the hardcore swing, like maybe Cincinnati and Canada before I can say like, okay, yeah, I mean, because in a way, like narratively, to those who don't really follow tennis, like not not for us, because like we we've known Bondrusova for many for many years, but like to them, it's like back to the narrative of like, oh, anyone in the top fifty can now win a slam. Whereas before this, it was like, okay, we have a solid group tier of these three guys, and if Jabour had won. For example, you know, then you could have, would have been right there. Yeah, you could have made a case for a big four at that point because you're like, okay, yeah, three of the last five major finals, she's won. And she missed a lot of time this year due to injury, right? Like she didn't play the Middle East because she had a knee surgery. She had the calf thing. She still won Charleston. And now she's in the final year and she's basically back to number six. And had she won, she yeah. would have been firmly number four in the race, number four and number three in the rankings overtaking Rabakina. So I felt like narratively, and then of course, like, you know, the trailblazer that she is and everything, like that would have really been something more of that narrative of like the consistency at the very top. 
Whereas now we're kind of left wondering, like, where does Bondrusova go from here? Because it's she's had a very inexplicable type of career so far. And I know that injuries have played a huge part in that. Obviously, she was in a cast literally this time last year at Wimbledon. And Crazy. Like, I think she had even had another wrist injury at the end of 2019, if I remember correctly, with, with her left wrist. So a lot of, like, like this was her first, un- this was the first unseated player to win in the open era. But it, at the same time, it's like, there's pedigree, obviously, like with the silver medal and the, the Rolling right. Heroes final, but if we she had won on clay, I think we'd all be like, oh, of course, like I mean, she was due to yeah, she was gonna win in one of these years. You know, if she won Rolling Heroes, now she was a finalist in 2019. Her game looks like it should be good on clay versus you know a quicker surface, the higher bounce suits her game. But I think it it does feed into the random narrative because it happened on grass, even in hard courts. You can make the argument, yeah. But just because it's grass and she was just so poor going into it, it, it does feed into that narrative. Um, yeah. But I think so. I think we're on the same page, and I totally agree with you that Javor, if she had won the matches, right there with Rabakina and Sabalenka. I've started once. Rabakina started when she beat uh, Bolter six one six one when she basically didn't drop serve for like three straight after the first service game of the tournament against Shelby Rogers. She basically didn't drop serve for like. I was a little concerned for Rabak, and I must say, going into that quarterfinal, I just felt like uh, Jabor was the underdog. Mm-hmm. She was she because as great as Rabakina was last year, like Jabor's level really kind of dipped in the last two sets, where like she really tightened up and felt the weight of the moment. Right. Uh, and then I also thought, like, because of the Haddad Bayer retirement, I thought that, um, and then and then because like Bolter third round, like not really a threat, I thought that she wasn't maybe just ready for a challenge like that right away, especially because she had the virus also before, like, you know, right. the, the French, and then her her loss was to Donna Vekic, which I guess, like, aged well in the end in Berlin. Definitely. She'd, she'd been missing momentum for a while, even, like, the Rome title. I mean, she won, like, three of those six matches were because of retirement, so, like, I didn't really know, like, ever really like playing at all. Yeah. until, like, like basically since Miami. Like, I, I'm a little... I, like, didn't know how to gauge her level, basically, even though she got to the quarters. Yeah. I was kind of in the boat before the tournament of like, she's going to lose early. And then she started like mowing, mowing people down. And then I'm like, oh my God, she could win this thing. But I think that probably the lack of match play, um, you know, she just seemed like she ran out of gas after that first set against Jabor. And whereas, right. And I do also feel- kind of switch to the sets because I felt like Jabor should have won the first one. Yeah. I kind of should have won the second. And then after that, she was out of gas. Yeah. And I totally think that, um, I think that Jabor, you mentioned it, does be- much better as an underdog. I completely agree. Um, I think that yeah. she doesn't feel the pressure, whereas she came into last year's Wimbledon final as the uh, favorite, and now this year's as the favorite, and she's lost them both. Um, U.S. Open final, she, that U.S., she, honestly, she should have won that. Who has open final? She should have won the second set. She should have won it, and I think if she won the second, she had the the momentum, and then we would have seen what would have happened. Um, I just, I again, I from the Pagula Shuian Tech match at the U.S. Open last year, I just did not think Iga played that well, and I thought she didn't. She she was far below her best in that U.S. Open. No, I can't end up winning it. I know I keep saying it too, but like it's true. It's like, oh, oh man, owns like you had three winnable ones, and you're such a likable person. It just kills me that she's not. She hasn't. Think it was just so. This thing to see her like you know she's too love forty fifteen up, and I'm like, she's definitely nervous. Bondruspa is not playing that well, and if she holds for three love, I think that kind of changes the whole match because, mm-hmm. like she she just made three straight errors from game point up. Uh, to, to to get it back to two one, and then she's up three one, and I'm thinking, okay, like she never really consolidated those leads, and every single time it was unforced errors and tightening of her shots, and you could see the footwork go away, like she just wasn't moving in between points. Her second serve was much, uh, you know, was much slower than it had been all tournament. Even in her first serve, she was so predictable, always going to the Bondrusova backhand, and yeah, Bondrusova can actually hurt you on the backhand wing when she has time, and it's. Like she was hitting strong returns and she was just hitting with a lot of depth and just asking the question of Jabor. And Jabor wasn't putting enough balls in play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, had she done that, she she could have at least made Mackie earn it a little bit more. But I think she her mentality was just 
she was so wound up by the whole occasion and the whole whole way of like carrying you know carrying like Tunisia and the Arab world and this all, all of that like I think just really got to her in the end and it was kind of unfortunate too because like before the match she showed up I think in all black on center court and mm-hmm. I, I read that somewhere on Twitter that she showed up in all black and was training on center court and then her practice was delayed like eight minutes into it and she was asked to change in all white and I was just I, was, I hate all that yeah I, yes yeah yeah I I know, but just like the fact that like no one on her team or like she like wasn't like she she wasn't aware of it or like she just completely missed that. Like it was I wonder. It just this is not a great way to like start the the day in, in terms of like before the biggest match yeah. of your life. And then I think she showed up really early to to the court, like eight eight minutes before the match actually started and it's just her head just seemed all scrambled the whole match. Yeah. Although like in the first two games, like you were saying, the first two and a half games, like she came out on fire. Um, and so that's what made it an even more weird where that's why I think the final as a whole for me was a bit of a letdown, just in the sense that it wasn't, it didn't feel to me like Bundrusa, but just flat out beat Piccola in that third set. She just took, took matters into her own hands and played the offensive tennis that she needed to do to win. Um, it just felt to me like Jabor was giving it away with the yeah. errors and the errors and this bad decision-making. And yeah, it looked like she had rocks in her, like what's it, bricks on her shoes or whatever the saying, rocks in her shoes. Um, like it just the yeah. footwork wasn't there. It just felt like the decision-making, like which was so great against a bit of a Rebecca and it just wasn't there. And it, and it felt like it was her. It felt like, she had never played in a major final before. It where like she lost it, even though it was her, it was her third. It felt like she'd never been there. Um, yeah, like and it, and it just yeah. makes me wonder if if she can play so well and she tightens up like this and now three straight. Because I thought that she played tight at the U.S. Open as well. I thought she played very tight when she got the lead against Rabak in the last year. Is she ever going to win a major? Or will her nerves just never allow her to do so? And I don't like blame her. I think that's why also she was nervous because she's about to be, what, 29? This is yeah. her, her prime right now. And I don't know how many more chances she's going to get. And this is her best surface because, let's be honest, do we really see her winning a French Open? Uh, against Triantec on, on Clay. I'm, uh, I don't know what happened in Rome last <laughs> And then US Open, like... I don't know if she's going to go back and defend her defend her final. There's just a lot more, a lot of contenders there again. How are you going to go through all these power players and get in that position again? And then Australia, she never seems to do that well. She has one quarterfinal, but um, it's not one that you would you would like ex- expect her to get to the final and have another chance. And she could, but it's just grass is like the one. Like that is the court that suits her. Wimbledon, so yeah, I think that like, and it's also just the fact that like you know women. Tennis can be, you know, pretty deep. You have your Kvitovas. You have your, you have your Bundrusovas now. You have your, are you really going to be able to go through Rabakina, Sabalenka, you know, again? You know, I just don't know if like she's, I, the, it's the, the sinking feeling in my stomach that she's lost her chance of, of ever winning one. And if she doesn't, she's still had a great career, but it doesn't, you know, she wanted, I'm, you know, I'm sure she'll look back and with her threats. Yeah, I think, um, I think she was saying that Kim Kleischer's, uh came up to her in the locker room and told her that she lost her first four major finals. I mean, like, there are, like, cases of this. Like, yeah. uh, or, who else? Um, I think I think hers could be, like, a young uh, and, yo, Andy Murray lost a lot, right? Yeah, he yeah. lost his first. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Or Lendo also lost his first four, but um, yeah. Like, you, know, you just never know. Like never it's a 100 person yeah. draw, right? You have injuries. She has injury history. You know, it's. I would say, I was going to say, well, she did come through a really tough draw here, but you can't rely on that. And, and I just, I, I just hope there's not a hangover for the rest of this. Like, I hope she yeah. doesn't look. Cause, cause this yeah. could be one of those matches that sets you back for a yeah. long time. This, you don't like regroup quickly and like, yeah, it's a, it's a really tough one. Like she said, it's the toughest loss of her career. Yeah. I, I would agree. Yeah, because like Rabaki, like Ron it doesn't have Rabaki in his big serve. She does, she's not Igis Riantek, right? Like at the end of the day, she was playing someone that had a losing record on grass coming into the into the uh, tournament. And she, I mean, she got a gift in the final and she blew it. And so that's, it's just. She started to reel it back in the, she started to get that momentum back in the second set. You know, what, yeah. she's up one love, 40 love. And then she gets it all the way up to 3 1. I, I mean, that's the, I feel like the patch from like two four to then losing those next five games in a row, like that just that really cost her. Yeah. And she just and again, she just gave it away over theirs. Like it yeah. wasn't and it and it's disappointing. But at the end of the day, I s I don't want anyone any of the like listeners to feel like we're like that yeah, we're just just totally discrediting Vandrusava. She played well. But yeah. we I think objectively we can say that Jabor played a higher level. I mean, I'll speak for myself. I think that Jabor played a noticeably higher level throughout the tournament, maybe with the end of the Pagula match aside uh, for Vandrusova. And so, you know, for me, it just, it's it's a little sad that her, that Jabor's level was not rewarded with a, with a major final. I mean, with a major title. Yeah. I kind of felt the same. I mean, like Vandrusova played a very... She played the perfect match in terms of, like, understanding the moment. And, I I mean, she, for example, made fewer unforced errors by a lot. Like, I think it was 13, which is which is pretty okay for a two-set match like this. And Jabor made 31. And it's just, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, she was, she just remained solid. That's all I can say is she just, she just kept asking the right questions. And so, in that sense, she played... She did exactly what she had to do. And it wasn't like it was 7-6, seven, 7-6. Six, seven, six. She was making an error, about an error and a half per game, an unforced error yeah. and a half per game. That's a lot. Um, and it's, you know, that's unforced, right? Not the forced, you know, the ones that are categorized as forced. And so, yeah, you're totally right. It's, it's you know, she kind of hit herself out the match. And, but at the same time, uh, you know, Mandrusava, she did what she needed to do. She stayed solid, and she let an imploding opponent implode. Yeah, and of course she had beaten her at the Australian Open also in the second round, and Indian Wells as well, but I kind of discounted those matches just because Jabor was not healthy. Yeah, and Indian Wells is a surface that suits Vandrusova's game a lot better than Jabor's. Yeah. Um, and she did win on grass in Eastbourne a couple of years ago, too, in straight sets, so it was... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she won in the and so for me it was just a little yeah it was just it was just it was all setting it was all setting up for like you know a Jabor like celebration and you know run you know it's you know it's 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 sport right in sport you never know you, that's why they play the game and so kudos to Vandrusova uh, for coming through that one yeah and it's a great effort because now she's back in the top she's into the top 10 for the first time. I wanted to say back, but then I remembered she never actually got there. She was 14. It was her previous. Uh, maybe, if, yeah, maybe without the injuries, she would have been there earlier, but she, it's well yeah. deserved. For sure. Uh, you know, she, she really, she took it. I, I thought I was like, okay, if Shroud Tech doesn't make it from the top half, it's going to be either Vekic or Kudametova. Uh, but somehow it could, you know, the, the winner came from that section. It was just neither Vekic and yeah. Kruner Um 
Man, that's two out of the three slams this year that Vekic has lost to the eventual winner, isn't it? Cause oh, yeah, because she lost at Tabalenka at the Australian, right? Um, yeah. That Tabalenka match. Uh, Tabalenka just yeah crushed. That was like, that ma- that tournament in the warm-up tournament, I know this is a little off topic, but I just, I just want to say that that tournament in the warm-up tournament were the two best tournaments I've ever seen Sabalenka play. Yeah, 100%. Like, the, the way she played at the Australian Open was just the best level ever. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was, pre- it was probably the best. The level she played in the Australian Open was... I think almost the half of the points that she won were from direct winners of her own. It was like 47% for the whole tournament. And she got her serve under control. It was really impressive. But that's where I, I, I feel like playing, because of how clutch she was in that final against Rubikina. Was it? In, in some ways, it was an easier match for her to play at that ridiculously high level because she was playing another power player and she was she's a better defender than Rubikina is and she can react and stab, get shots back and defend a little bit more and ask tougher questions and when she's confident and she's got she had gotten over the semi-final hurdle I thought after winning Australia like that was done you know the semi-final right. wobbles I thought but, it was too but still like she's the best player in 2023 she's won she's raised the semis of four majors in a row now she's you know has a good chance to finish the year number one so she's made loads of progress in, in the last year and a half and like you could think back to January of last year, where she was hitting twenty twenty five double faults. Oh yeah, Australia. Oh yeah, I think she played Rebecca Peterson at the beginning in twenty twenty. Uh, it's the twenty twenty twenty. I guess we're in twenty twenty three, so it'd be twenty twenty two. And I think she, yeah, she hit like twenty five double faults. It was like the commentators where I think we're even like, holy cow, what is going on here? It was really bad. To, so to see, you know, even if she is choking these semifinals a little bit, to see her progress from now from then to now is just astonishing. Truly, like, astonishing. I have her as my super early U.S. Open favorite. Uh, yeah. Who, who, do you, who are you thinking? I mean, probably, because if she if she manages to just, just rein it in, like, 5% in those moments, mm-hmm. the, the power is just overwhelming. It's, it's, it's way too much for, like, 99% of the tour to contend with. And here she also had one of those matches where she has like one really bad match usually in the first couple, two or three rounds. And she gets through that. And last year it was Kanepi at the US Open. This year it's, it was Kracheva at this Melbourne. But I I feel like there's no reason why she can't overcome this and win more. Win more oh, absolutely. And and at the end of the day, I think she would have beaten either, either in, in the semi, like if she got... But in Jerusalem, she got Svitolina. She would have probably won. Then we would have been talking about how dominant she was. Uh, but she got the player, as we were talking about before, who was probably playing the highest level as on the during the tournament as a whole. And so, um, and she was still up a set in a break. And honestly, um, you know, she, you know, nine. I would say nine times out of ten, she closes that match out. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, of course, like looking at Chiantek a little bit. Obviously, I, I mean. She had those three matches in Bad Omberg. It was clearly an improvement from from last year in terms of in terms of grass season. She was great when it mattered against Vekic in terms of saving those match points. Her forehand got her through that second set tie break, and she was able to close Ben. She was, I mean, sorry, did I say Vekic? I meant Benchit. Yeah, Benchit. I, I yeah. knew what you meant. Uh-huh. So, so, so that was that was a good result because I felt like that that was a trap match um, yes. for for Iga. And when she got through that, I was just, you know. I have mixed feelings about the performance in the quarterfinal because obviously Svitolina played extraordinarily well in in many in many occasions and you know again it was one of those matches where Svitolina should have won the first set yeah Svitolina should have won the second but instead they they kind of flipped and Svitolina was extremely clutch in that second set tiebreak from four one down winning six of the next seven points and hit four forehand winners and you know really kind of willed herself through that second set and. She had all the momentum going into the third, but I just felt like two things were a bit off. One, Iga somehow like the the wobble at five three. I was not expecting that, you know, when it was in the five, love thirty, and then all of a sudden Svitolina went sixteen of the next eighteen points, and Iga's forehand was just went gone, like it just went missing for about four games in a row, and she just went really dark on herself emotionally, and I felt like 
you know, she's so hard on herself sometimes. And once that set was over, she was just furiously writing notes in her notebook. And, you know, it was just one of those where like, she looked, she looked at, at a loss of what to do. And, you know, it, we know she's like not the most secure person usually most of the time on the court. And she has a lot of those doubts. Mm-hmm. And she's I not think more on grass than even on like play. Yeah, you know, I feel like on grass she has just not a lot of confidence in herself. Yeah. So so like that frailty is still there, you know. And you just have to be able to play the right kind of tennis to get that out of her. Especially if you're a power player. And Shanelina played like a power player. A lot of the times attacking Shantek's second serve. I think Shantek yeah. was nine for twenty seven on second serve points yeah. one, but she double faulted three broken times. So six times. So when yeah, broken six times and when she actually you made it see- only won six points. So it's you don't see Shantek get broken, you know. Kai is typically the more breakable surface and you know, you never see Shriantek um get broken no. out six times. But I mean like sometimes I just think she's such a perfectionist mm-hmm. and she's so dark on herself that things can just really go south when you're least expecting them to and all of a sudden like you know it's not like the bravado and confidence of like other major champions where like they walk on the court and they have this like complete and total faith and belief that they're just going to triumph every single time whereas with Iga like things can just really go south out of nowhere and her forehand just can you know it, it can be rushed obviously especially on this surface I also just don't think although she's improved like she's just not that comfortable moving especially north to south and also just like defending the forehand but not enough but not enough right yeah that was I kind of my take I comfortable more comfortable this year than she did against like Cornet last year yeah I think that it does come down to the fact that like you mentioned um, Spitalina was able to rush her in a way that, like, for instance, her second round opponent, Cerebus uh, uh, Tormo, was not able to. So whereas Cerebus Tormo was able to keep the ball alive, to put some spins on it, yeah, to, to, to use her backhand flight, yeah. to spread the court. She played players with a variety in the first week, but none who had the power to. Right. Exactly. And so... Take the record out of her hand. She, but she was still... She almost could play like a clay match because... Because of the lack of power coming her way, she just bided her time until she found an opening. Yeah. And Bench is just sort of somewhere in the between because she redirects pace really well and she she uh, has the flat hits and she can hit, you know, down the line and she can... She, can, she also caused Iga some trouble for sure, but she also didn't really have the the offensive repertoire of some of the other power players and... She also Absolutely. allowed Ika to really step in and dictate on those match points. And, and she also was coming from jump. She was also coming into the tournament totally undercooked, having not yeah. played since the French Open. I was impressed she even got to the fourth round. I was Me too. I thought she would I thought she'd be I thought she can't remember where I predicted her, but I definitely did not expect her to do as well as she did. Um yeah. and I think that I think that if she had maybe gotten a grass warm up under her belt, some more match, you know, match play, kind of get her fitness up to par, I think that she has the game that she could have got over the finish line against Shwiante. Yeah. I, I'm really interested to see how she does in New York. I, she's she's always hanging around. Uh, and she's New always is, like US Open is her best. This is usually when she plays her best tennis. We like, semi finals in twenty nineteen or yeah, you know, pushed and rescue and you know nearly won that match. Yeah, another what if because we saw how nervous Serena was in that final. Would Blinda could have been a a, yeah. a major champion? Ah. There's I like a lot of there's, there's a lot of those what ifs, especially on the WTA with like the yeah, I mean it being best of three. Like there's just so many. Now here's a crazy what if is, and I know again this. Is Wimbledon, but it's back to that 2013. Sloane Stevens played Bartoli pretty damn tough. Um, she would have got it. Lipkins in the uh, semifinals, and then a nervous Lisicki in the final. Sloane Stevens could have been a major champion all the way back in 2013. She could have been a major finalist or champion here because she, yeah. uh, you know, she was six four five two up on Vekic. That was a great match, by the way. And then Vekic came all the way back, won that. And then I think she had very little time for the to regroup for Von Drusova and uh, yeah, I think that Drusova played really well. But 
I still think if, if, if Vekic was, if the scheduling issues had not happened, Vekic would have played her tighter, and I, I would have, I, I think probably would have won. Yeah, that's the other one. Yeah, like I, I think I had Vekic in my semis, because I, had, I just felt that I felt the most comfortable. I think I had Kuner Metova. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you know, I. Uh, what I I I you know my my predictions lose so often. It's like uh, jack it up another another loss. Yeah, yeah. It's like we both fun. I think had Sriantec winning the event before it. And, um, yeah, we did, and I made the same Petrikovitova thing as well. Like uh, next time, I'm just gonna pick her to like get to like the fourth round and and stuff. Oh, I'm not gonna get fooled by. I, I usually go all or nothing on her, and yeah, this time I took her all the way to the final, but she did. I did not show up for the Jabora match. Yeah, so. Here's something I'll say is I'll say, I think, you know, because we were talking about Javori, like whether or not she'll win a major. I think, in terms of from here on out, I think Jabor is more likely to win a major than Kavitova is, despite like Kavitova winning. Yeah. yeah that's probably, probably a cold take, but still. Yeah. Because I mean, Kavitova is what, 33 now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Owen still has a two or three really good years, but I don't think her window has actually closed yet. Like, so yeah, but you also it. have like your Mira Andreevas coming up, you know. It's gonna get, you're gonna get, you know, theoretically the Fruvertova sisters. I don't necessarily see big things for either of them, but I think that Mira Andreeva could place herself right at the top of the game within the next year. To me, Mira Andreeva is kind of like a like on the on the men's side. If I do like a a male comp, it's kind of like a Hogaruna, where I just find her vers her defense so versatile. Like she just has a very complete game. Like nothing really stands out. Yeah. It's just it's just all there. Like it's. And now she just has to like sort of package it into like more consistent, more reliable like offense sometimes, but it's like all the ingredients are there. Yeah, and the mental game needs some work as well. Yeah. She up a set and a break. Might have had a she throws that match out against Keys, no doubt. Like she had a break point, I think, for five one. That's like yeah. said. And blew it. Uh <laughs> I feel like we keep talking about all these bits Avalanche, Jabor, Amir and Jiva. This is like the tournament of jokes, huh? It's like a, the tournament of what ifs, and yeah, I guess yeah, not backing up, not backing up the really, really big wins. But that's yeah. But that's even Anka, like you said, is up set in a break on Spitalina. Um, if she wins that, you know, she could have be, she could have rushed Iga and like won that one, and then she's a major. You know, she, I, I would have liked her chances against. Uh, yeah, I would have thought that she could. It would have been pretty even against Vandrusova. If they play, I know we can't do the what ifs, but like, and it's like then you get to the final, and then you know it's like if you just have a nervous 30, 35 minutes, yeah, that, that's all it takes. Like, let her put ass quickly. Yeah, and then you you're like, I wonder if this was best of five, and then you get into that whole can of worms. But it's yeah, I think Jabor would have been helped by best of five because um, just in terms, I mean, obviously she lost, but like. In terms of the in terms of the nerves, I think that maybe like that's where it kills. That's where best of three really kills it because yeah, you get nervous. Wasicki, Wasicki, uh, you know, he he almost burned Carolina Mukova in the French Open. She was down to set in a break, like you know that, and then yeah. thank God she had enough time to make the match competitive. But with best of three, I feel like you know for the major finals, like there's no scheduling issues. Make no. best. Of even for the semis, like yeah, I mean we 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 tried it on the for the WTA finals from 1984 to 1998, yeah, and I think most of the players were like on board with it, like it, just the final, yeah, of the year end championship was best of five. I don't understand. I I I I, I don't understand, and I do understand with the scheduling issues. You know, early ran, but in terms of the final, like. You let these players have a chance to like get comfortable out there. I agree, um, and I think it's especially prevalent on grass, just because of the fact of, of how quickly things go. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I do also wonder how much how much we uh, overrated like experience in this tournament because it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, reps are obviously important. Like, you, you do need some experience. There's no doubt, but also like you know. Pondrosova was two and ten coming into the yeah. last season, and it's just it. And it's not like the old days where it's like, like if you're just a good tennis player, like you're a good tennis player, you know. Like it's, like it's much more homogenized. It's much more like, especially Wimbledon is a lot slower than a lot of these 
meetups. So did you think like your Berlin's and your uh, it did feel like Berlin's. yeah, you know, especially watching like Newport today. Like I felt yeah. like, oh my god, like wow, Wimbledon seems slow compared to that. Um, especially yeah. also with the roof and the rain, like like it just made things even slower. I would have won- I would have loved to you know back in like, like let's say twenty years ago. You know, or Alcaraz and Djokovic as, you know, do on the men's side as, you know, proficient. I don't think there's a shot 20 years ago about Rusev as winning the Wimbledon, given how, you know, quick and low bouncing it was. But I think that I've been interested just to, you know, just to, you know, a little, little men's status talk. I, I don't know if they would have been as great as, whereas I feel like Federer would have maybe been fine. Yeah, I mean, Federer kind of grew up in that whole 90s era where he was, he was anyway playing. I mean, I think he served in body like 50% of the time, in, even in 2003. Right. And when the courts were slowed down already after that final in 2002 with Hewitt and no Bantian. Yeah. And so I, yeah, I think that the grass, you know, and I, I don't know if there's a solution though, because if you try to speed up the grass again, it becomes unwatchable, right? Like to the yeah. extent. For someone like me, it's like, oh, another big serve, especially in the men's side. Yeah, you, you don't want to see, like, a, you know, Anderson, Isner, like, just... You think, I mean, query, I mean, not query. Uh, yeah. I was thinking about uh, query semifinal run, but I, I Cressy, Cressy, Jerry, Jared, did you see that match? It was unwatchable. Yeah, it was just, just two-shot rallies, Max. Yeah, not even, like, for most of the match, it wasn't even, like, a sniff of a break point. Like, and I'm not saying that we can't have big serves, but, like, when there's when you're going sets and sets without barely even like, without even like any without any sort of resistance on return, it's yeah. like, do we really want to even make it faster? Yeah, for sure. But I think that's more of a men's issue than a women's. Yeah, I mean, and then you also just have like some bad bounces. You have like just, you know, a, a lucky shot here or there. Like usually, like some half volley pickup or a. Was it? Like, you know, one person just slips behind the baseline, like, changing directions or, you know, you just... So, Enid take a big fall. We, we've seen Djokovic, I believe, or Alcaraz take a big fall. We've seen, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of everyone. Well, so, or at least that Corday against Rabakina took a huge fall. Yeah. You had rules like, when he was diving for the for the match point against Bootle. Especially in that area, well behind the baseline, where it's still, I guess, kind of moist. It really kind yeah. of dangerous. But then again, like clay is dangerous with the stupid signs at the back of the court too. Right? And I remember, I think it was in Monte Carlo, someone tripped on the sign at the back. Yeah, that's a totally different issue. Yeah, for sure. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, so there were like a lot of good matches kind of earlier in the week. I thought Andrescu, her second round match against Kalanina, was quite a good one. Uh, yeah, she played better than I expected. Beyond did, yeah. I mean, I watched her play Von Drusova in the in Berlin, and I was actually like, "Man, Andreski was playing well," but Von Drusova is, looks like she can win a few matches. I didn't think she'd win the whole thing, but I thought, you know, she could certainly hold her own. But um, I don't think if there was any like other epic, like epic encounters. I uh, we mentioned Goth Hennen, um that was a big one. I uh, I thought that I uh, Svitolina Azarenka, Svitolina Sriantek. Uh, you mentioned we mentioned Sriantek Bencic. Uh, that's, I don't know. Fernandez Garcia is always good. Yeah, yeah. I didn't uh, catch a ton of that, but uh, and then Garcia Buzkaboskova was also another good one in the yeah. fall. And it's like, come on, Caroline, like. Return expand grass at least change your return positioning. My God, the same thing with men on the men's side in the opposite way. It's like, come on, yeah. Those the one the one time he tried it, it was five three in the third set. He goes up, bends near the baseline, but then he misses four returns in a row, and it's like then he just goes all the way back, starts returning again. It's just losing combination. Yeah, and so I don't know on grass at least maybe he'll work more on. uh, you know, his court positioning on return. Hopefully, I mean, it, yo, you can't be this good of a tennis player and be that unadaptable, right? Like, it was stubborn. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then again, I'm like the king of being stubborn. So um, I can't really talk 
I thought you also think there's a lot of other issues in that matchup, but yeah, I mean, uh, I mean that is one of them for sure. Um, okay, I'm trying to think. Are we missing anything? Um, no, I mean we mentioned Keys and Drevo. We mentioned yeah, we mentioned Jabur and Rescue, of course. That one was that one was an interesting one because Andrescu was up three one in the third, and then I felt like she played a very bad game at four all. So that turn. Yeah, and then you mentioned Keys on Jay, but Keys was by the way, uh, I believe it was four two forty eleven the second set of uh, or, or she was up yeah four two against Sabalenka yeah against Sabalenka you know it was turning that match around you know if she holds in that in that uh four two service game who knows how it finishes uh, she had all the momentum uh, and so you know, that that's probably another you know missed opportunity for Keys in this tournament yeah. well. Um, just because yeah, she is a major finalist and she's always like hanging around and you know, I wouldn't be, I, you know, if Andrusova can win one on grass, then like, what? what and apparently grass is her favorite surface. And this is the only major where she hasn't made a semi. So, and you know, yeah, if she holds her five, two, then it's, it's kind of a roll of a dice after that. Yeah. And we talked a lot or it, it was on talk somewhere. Someone talked about, uh, how the Eastbourne, typically how Eastbourne semi, or people go deep in Eastbourne struggle at Wimbledon. Oh, yeah, I didn't yeah. notice. I mean, maybe some slight fatigue, but I didn't notice anything like major for Madison. And I and Kazakina, honestly, I didn't notice anything. Her opponent in the final, I didn't know, in the Eastbourne final, I didn't notice like any noticeable, um, but, you know, nothing too major. She did take a medical timeout, I believe, against Ola Hyde. Uh, I'm remembering correctly, it was way back then, but like I didn't feel like the East. What I'm trying to say is, I didn't feel like the Eastbourne curse ended up coming into fruition this year. No, I don't think so. Um, at least on the women's side. Uh, let's see, but yeah, I mean, is there anything else like pop in the mind? I feel like we've done my flesh. like that's kind of that's kind of all the matches that we wanted to highlight. Um, I think, yeah. I, think I, said before, I think I said before the tournament uh, how I was so excited for Serena's tournament, Trevi Sign. Um, I watched it. It didn't disappoint. Martina fought hard. Yeah. That's kind of what I was expecting. Um, but yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I guess before I let you go, how about the hardcore season? Is there any storylines or things you're looking out for specific players? Um... On the women's side, it feels wide open, right? Because I I think Sabalink is the favorite, but I don't, you know, in you know, Shriantek can definitely play at our courts too. And Rivaki, you know, we 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 know that the quote big three, but like at the same time can play on hard. And we know that um you know, I I here's a storyline. I'm curious how Rabakina, you know, if she can kind of get back to the form that she had early in the season because like you kind of mentioned earlier, I'm throwing that Rome, Rome tournament out the window. I don't think she played well in that tournament. I think she got about as lucky as you could ever get to win that. Um, I don't think there's a shot. She wins that without the three retirements, um, specifically the Shriantek uh, retirement the most. Uh, I think that, she did not, you know, she's been sick at the French Open. She was sick in Berlin. She was, you know, a little undercooked at Wimbledon. So I'm curious how she bounces back this hardcore season. And if she, because I think that, especially given how quick the U.S. Open played last season, she can, she's absolutely a contender for that event. It's just a matter of, you know, whether she is physically healthy and whether she can get her, like, rally tellers to return back. Yeah. That's certainly a good one because I actually don't know where her where her level is at right now, and I think the UN, the hardcore swing will tell us much much more. Uh, for me, I'm just interested to see how some of the players who had success earlier in the year, pre Indian Wells, in March, players like Bencic and Krichikova. I'm curious to see if this yeah. is a time where they can, they can kind of get some of their mojo back. Save in Bohova as well because she also. She also had a bit of an injury in that third set against Niemeyer. She just danced like what? Yeah, and and it's the same. And then obviously, like, where does Vondrusova go from here? And I have I have questions about like 
you know, Sam Sonova, is she going to do something big again? As I don't see it. Yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> and another story is, if Sabalenka reaches the U.S. Open semifinals, does she choke, you know, how does she, does she get over the hump again? Yeah. Uh, then, yeah. So I'm going to predict, yeah, Sabalenka to win it, uh, the U.S. Open, but I think it's, like, pretty pretty open. I mean, we even saw Kvitova, you know, at Miami, you know, win the tournament so she if she gets if she gets red hot you know there's i mean she typically does not do well in new york but if miami's not because of the humidity but miami's not the non-humid place either and she ended up winning it um yeah and so it's just it's a pretty deep field on the women's side yeah for sure i could probably list 15 other names but i guess uh this was this was a good uh wimbledon recap because i don't know yeah, we we kind of just hit on a hodgepodge of several different matches and topics and just kind of spoke whatever was on our mind, but uh, that's how I like it sometimes. Chit-chat, yeah. Yeah. It's a bit more a bit more casual and conversational, but but that's certainly uh, a good way to wrap up Wimbledon for the grass court and the grass court season on the women's side. So thank you very much, David, for, for joining me. And what what do you have in store for us soon? You know, there's going to be, I'm going to write it a, probably an article or two this week about uh, either Budapest or Palermo on the women's side. Thank God Clay is back. Um, thank God. I texted um, my Action Network supervisor, like, it's Clay season again. And he was like, no, it's U.S. hardcore season or something like that. Uh, and But to me, it's bad. We're back on the Clay um, and, I'm lo- and I'm loving it. So I'm going to be following those. I think Newport is also just on the men's side, just a fun. Yeah, I know it's grass, but just kind of like funky it is, like with just like the courts, with the bad talked about bad bounces. That Newport is the king of bad bounces. Um, so I'll be following that, and, and yeah, it's just some challenger action. It's nice, you know, having a challenger in Granby, which is our time zone, um, versus having to wake up at like the crack of dawn um, for some of the matches in Europe. Um, and so, yeah, it's actually just in general, nice having the tour come, come back soon to North America as well, where it better fits at least my schedule. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that and not having to wake up and three or four in the morning to watch some of these matches, but I can't imagine you on the West coast, man. Like with, yeah, it's rough. It's rough. <laughs> It's it was tough for me too. It's like, yeah, like my my body. I'd wake up, my body would be like, go back to bed, but I'd be like, God damn it, I gotta see what's going on. Um, and so yeah, thank you so much. But thank you to you, Owen and Andre for having me. Seriously, yeah, it was it was a blast, and it was nice to kind of go full circle from our Wimbledon preview as well. And yeah, uh, we look forward to the U.S. Open. I'll do that one too. No pressure, but yeah, you're you're on our list for sure. So. We're happy to have you on anytime. Well, thank you so much again. Yep. Have a good one. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.